Pulse podcast, we're incredibly excited to have B, who is the founder and CEO of Sword Health. Virgilio Bento, known as V, has devoted his career to bringing positive change to healthcare, using technology to improve patient experience, outcomes, and value. During his PhD in electrical engineering, V invented the very first digital therapist, which used motion tracking technology to deliver physical therapy programs to patients in their homes. Following his PhD, V founded Sword Health to bring this therapy to more patients around the world. Since its founding in 2015, Sword Health has helped thousands of people recover from surgery and manage chronic pain from home. Sword's digital therapist has operations in Europe, United States, and Australia. Today, V holds 16 patents and has authored more than 40 research papers in fields including sensor fusion algorithms and neuroplasticity. His work has been featured in the world's most distinguished scientific publications and at important medtech conferences. Now, here on the Pulse podcast, we have a tradition of asking our guests to surprise our listeners. Can you share something interesting about your background that our listeners may not know about? The most curious thing, I would say that I started swarming in Europe uh, and then we moved sword uh, from Europe to the US, which definitely was a fun process in many different ways. So definitely was a fun process. And I also started sword uh, during my PhD in analytical engineering. So uh, I've been doing this for a while. So I would say those are the two most curious things about, about myself and of course the connection uh, with uh, SOAR. That start kind of begs the question of what motivated you to start SWORD Health in the first place, given you were in the middle of pursuing your academic degree and career. What was sort of the catalyst for you to start SWORD and why in Europe initially? So... Um, why in Europe? That's the easy one because I'm originally from Europe, and so that's where uh, I did my PhD. And honestly, I did my PhD as a way to get the financial means and the resources to to build the core uh, platform, the core technology behind SOAR. And the reason why I focused my my PhD on this was because I felt very vividly when I was a young boy the challenges that families face when they have to recover a loved one, when they have to fix their physical pain, when they have to fix their physical limitations. And I saw that when I was a young kid. And that's why after I finished my uh, engineering degree, I basically wanted to solve this problem because we developed and built such amazing technologies in so many different fields. But when it comes down to these 2 billion people people that suffer from physical pain every single year, we are pretty much, much doing the same thing for the last 50 years. And so I understood deeply the potential of technology, and I wanted to apply technology, a new technological solution, uh, and I wanted to solve this problem. So that's why I started my PhD. I focused my PhD on doing that. Uh, and my PhD was like, I was not really focused on being a professor. I was really focused on getting the financial means and the resources that would allow me to do the first um, version of our technology. And what drew you to MSK specifically? Was it a personal interest or did you have a, another connection to the MSK field? No, it was really a personal interest, right? It was really our vivid experience 
with my brother at 25 years ago. So my brother had a car accident 25 years ago. Because of that, uh, he spent he spent 12 months in a coma. And when he woke up from his coma, he was in need of high-intensity, high-quality physical therapy, musculoskeletal care, services, care. And by then, I saw firsthand the challenges that both my parents face to provide that kind of therapy, that kind of intensity, and that kind of recovery to my brother and the despair that was involved in the process. Um, because you feel a significant frustration because you expect to see improvement every single day, but then the traditional provider world doesn't allow you to get that level of intensity because, as, as an example, traditional physical therapy is 100% labor-intensive. And so I saw that with my own eyes, I experienced the pain and the despair. And, and that's why from that personal motivation, from that personal experience, I wanted to try to solve this problem. And, and so it comes from that. So SWORD is really a mission-driven company because the great majority uh, of, of our people, in one way or another, they felt the problem of physical pain either directly or to a loved one. And that's why we are so focused on solving this problem the right way. You mentioned a bit about the challenges you saw around the level of treatment available when your brother was facing MSK issues. Can you provide a bit of an overview about the MSK industry broadly before you started SWORD? So what were the conventional therapies? Where did you see the gaps? And what did you see SWORD fitting into to solve? Yeah, so if you look at the gold standard of care, as proposed by the American College of Physicians, as proposed by CDC, is really about high-intensity, high-quality physical therapy, so which is about having four sessions of physical therapy per week during three months. But the problem with traditional physical therapy is that it's the delivery of traditional physical therapy is 100% labor-intensive. So what this means is for you to have one hour of high-quality care, you need one hour of this highly specialized, highly scarce human resource, which is a physical therapist. So on one end, you have a demand for MSK care, a demand for physical therapy, which is um, exploding. And uh, each year, 125 million Americans suffer from physical pain. And, and of course, this number is only increasing due to the aging population. And then you have a supply of care, which is basically constrained in this human resource, specialized human resource, which is one of the hardest jobs to fill in the U.S. So this delta between supply and demand leads to a treatment that is inaccessible, in, inconvenient for patients, which then leads to uh, these small uh, daunting levels of compliance to care. It's uh, As a data point, uh, it's estimated that just after four sessions, 50% half of all patients drop out from physical therapy. And it's very easy to understand why. No one is really able to fit that appointment in that PT clinic with your crazy schedule, with work, with kids, driving across town back and forth to get one, one, one session uh, of physical therapy in a clinic. You do that once, you do that twice, and then you just drop out. But the problem is, yes, you drop out, but you still have a problem. You still have physical pain. 
And what you do next is you try to find a silver bullet in the form of surgeries, a silver bullet in the form of opioids. And that's how we get to, to this big financial and human problem with MSK conditions, where right now we are almost spending more money treating MSK patients than cancer and mental health combined, roughly $400 billion each year. And if you look at the bulk of that cost, you will see that it's really about um, surgeries, where it's very well established that at least half of all back and joint surgeries that we are doing right now should be avoided, should be replaced with high-intensity, high-quality physical therapy. So because we are not able to deliver a, a way for our patients to get access to high-quality, high-intensity physical therapy in a compliant way, we have this big financial problem. But we also have a steep human problem connected with it because right now, uh, as you know, we have a raging opioid epidemic going on. And if you look at the root cause of that opioid epidemic, you'll see that 60 to 70% of all new opioid users start taking an opioid due to physical pain. So if we want to fix this opioid epidemic, what we should be doing is go to the root cause, which is when you go to your primary care physician complaining about shoulder pain, as an example, Instead of getting a bottle of pills, you should get a prescription to high-intensity, high-quality physical therapy. And that's what we've done. We digitized uh, high-intensity, high-quality physical therapy. And with that, we created a way for patients to recover at home without digital therapists independently in their pajamas after breakfast or at 11 p.m. after they put their kids to bed, while at the same time being remotely and continuously supervised by a doctor of physical therapy that is there to provide their clinical expertise, understand the nuances and ambiguity of care, and also to provide the clinical human touch, which is so important in the healthcare world and in the recovery process. So this human plus AI model, it's how we changed um, and we deeply believe that we created a new gold standard of care of how we should treat physical health conditions and MSK. So it sounds like the gaps in terms of accessibility of care and the quality of care that then leads people to seek out expensive and taxing treatments such as drugs or surgeries is sort of where sort health comes in. I know you provided a brief if an overview about the offerings initially, but curious if you can share more specifically what sort health offers, starting from when Sword Health first launched with the initial product portfolio and services to present day. Um, for example, I know that you recently launched a solution tailored for women. And so curious to hear yeah. from your perspective how Sword Health's offerings have evolved from the beginning and where you see the offerings going from here. Definitely. So we started by trying to solve the biggest problem in physical health, which is back and joint pain. And we were successful developing the fastest growing solution and the flagship technology in this space, uh, which is our digital MSK solution, uh, which has been used by hundreds of clients um, in just two years, under two years in the market. But of course, we also understand that the physical health problem goes beyond MSK. It's, it's also about that new mom in Wisconsin that just had a baby and because of that, she's suffering from severe physical pain. 
severe pelvic pain. And we also want to be the solution to that problem. And that's why we started last year developing a solution specifically with a new technology, but following the same model uh, where we want to scale a specialized clinical team with the power of technology and we that allow for a much uh, higher convenience and higher, higher accessibility and higher scalability of care delivery. And that's why we, we last week we launched the launch of Bloom, which is a, a solution really focused on addressing pelvic pain, addressing pelvic health and addressing women's physical health, which is a problem that right now goes completely dormant in society. We don't talk about that problem. But it's a problem that has a massive prevalence and incidence in the population, where it's estimated that 25% of adult women in the US suffer from pelvic pain each year. And so it's a bigger problem. Uh, it's a very big problem where access to care is very dismal, especially access to care when, as an example, you just had a baby, right? Or when you have such an active life where you are not really able to access uh, pelvic health specialists because that pelvic health special, specialist is located 45 minutes from where you are. And that's why following the same principles, convenience of delivery of care at home, clinical grade, high quality, high levels of patient experience, um, and following the same model that made us so successful with MSK and SWORD. We replicated the same model with a new technology platform with Bloom, and we are already getting an impressive um, input from the market saying, okay, no one is talking about this problem. Thank you for bringing these to the spotlight. And I'm curious, because you have the roots of SWORD in this engineering and academic background, can you speak more specifically about the technology that differentiates SWORD and is kind of one of the linchpins of your clinical success around the sensors or monitoring sort of the yeah. hardware technology? So we started by looking at the gold standard of care, which is the human physical therapist. And the only problem with the human physical therapist is that it's not scalable and there are not millions of physical therapists that are able to serve the demand that we have because the PT is in fact the gold standard of care. They just exist in a finite in a finite number. And so when we looked at our digital therapists, we realized that the gold standard of care for MSK conditions is based on therapeutic exercises. And that's basically uh, the delivery of care towards uh, with therapeutic exercises is a two-part problem. The first problem is I will ask you to do an exercise. And the first part of the problem is analyze the movement that you just performed with clinical precision. As an example, is the movement then with the required range of motion? And then, based on that, analyze that movement, compare it with how it should be performed perfectly, compare that with the prescription that you just had, and then provide feedback so that you can have an optimal physical performance, which will lead to an optimal physical recovery. And so we solved the first part of the problem, and that was the, the bulk of our work was really these two pieces of our system on by solving an hybrid motion capture solution that involves sensors and video when needed. And with that, we are able to analyze the motion of the patient with clinical precision, with high levels of detail and granularity. And so basically with that, we are able to see the movement that the patient is doing. And then we send that the, the, 
motion of the patient the, the, uh, to a tablet, and that tablet runs what we call our digital therapist, which is an AI solution that compares the movement that you just performed with the prescription from your doctor of physical therapy, compares that with how the exercise should be performed perfectly, and then provides feedback to you with high levels of detail, high levels of granularity. As an example, as a data point, our digital therapist is able to provide you to up to 5,000 different feedback messages. So the level of feedback that you are able to, to receive is very detailed, very granular, and leads to an excellent experience for the patient and also excellent clinical outcomes because you are getting the same level of clinical quality in terms of treatment, uh, in terms of care, as if you were in a, in a clinic. And But of course, you are doing that in the comfort of your homes when it's possible uh, and ideal for you. That's really interesting around using AI to actually provide more comprehensive analyses that kind of substitutes the human capital portion of a traditional PT visit. You mentioned also that there are physical therapists or clinicians that SWORD also employs. Is that a fair description where it's a bit of a hybrid, where you do have a bit of the human touch in addition to all the high tech? So we believe in this human plus AI model where clinical teams, uh, specialized clinical teams, are scaled in their reach with the power of AI. And AI is our digital therapist that are performing the one-to-one sessions with the patients. But then we have our doctor of, uh, doctors of physical therapy. We, don't, we never compromise on the quality of our clinical team in terms of we don't use coaches, we don't use health coaches. We only use doctors of physical therapy because we believe that we are talking about members with a clinical condition. And of course, it, it's a little bit obvious that the clinic patients with a clinical condition require someone with a clinical expertise to manage your program. And, and so basically we employ uh, our doctors of physical therapy, they are full-time employees of SWORD, and basically they are the ones managing the program of the patient. And so one example will be, hey, Jing, I just saw that you did your session today perfectly. You had some challenges last week in the last two ones, but this one was really, really good. So I've made the session for tomorrow, your session tomorrow with the digital therapist, a little bit more challenging with two new exercises and a higher range of motion in the other ones. But I think you're going to be perfect at it. And so really this combination where you know that you are doing your sessions with digital therapists in a highly engaging way, measuring everything that you are doing and really receiving high quality feedback really allows you to get high intensity of care, but also you know that on the other side, there's a human with a high level of clinical expertise on your problem, really making sure that you are recovering in the fastest and most efficient way possible, adjusting and managing your program every single day and also providing the human touch um, when needed. Do you believe the SWORD health model can and operates at full efficacy in a fully virtual setting? Or do you believe that there's something to be said about having an in-person, so not only having a actual physical therapist guiding the program, but also having an in-person appointment or you know, having some sort of brick and mortar presence? So we had that philosophical uh, discussion when we started and, and our view was, let's start by having a fully virtual model, a fully digital model. And when we get to a bottleneck, uh, in terms of being able to treat patients, we expand our reach and we we develop a hybrid model of in-person plus virtual. And that bottleneck never happened. 
So, so far, and we've been able to efficiently treat patients across many demographics. So far, we've been able to treat patients very efficiently in a 100% virtual model. Uh, we are not agnostic, though. If there, for some reason there is a subset of patients in a, in a population that require in-person care for some reason, um, we are more, more than happy to expand our reach and, and go the last mile. But honestly, so far, we've been able to um, successfully, completely treat patients across, again, across many demographics in a fully virtual model. And this also touches on the comprehensive set of MSK-related injuries. I know you mentioned back and joint pain initially, and now women's pelvic pain and postpartum pain. But SWORD also is able to change its efficacy model for other MSK conditions as well? So yeah, with MSK, we, we are the most complete solution in the sense that we treat neck, we treat wrist, we treat elbow, we treat shoulder, hip, knee, low back pain. So except uh, finger and toes, um, that's the only two exceptions. Everything else, um, we treat, I'll say, 95% of all MSK conditions, and we treat them with the same level of uh, efficacy, with the same technology, and so, uh, and we've it, we have patients of all types in that regard. And after doing that, that's when we decided, okay, let's branch out from MSK because the MSK problem is addressed uh, with our solution, we don't need to expand more there. What we need now is to solve the other big problems in physical health, and that's why Bloom popped up. Do you ever see the technology, whether it's the hardware or the software, the combination, ever replacing physical therapists in general? I mean, I'm thinking about you know scaling the sort health model, and if you extrapolate it across multiple geographies and across the world does that just ultimately lead to a reduction of physical therapists, if not you know, just reducing significantly the number? I, I don't believe that because there is such a mismatch between supply and demand, and we are talking about orders of magnitude uh, of mismatch. What we are just doing, trying to do, is shorten the gap. And so even if we are very successfully, and if we really scale our PTs, and we are scaling them right now, even so our model will always be fully dependent on PTs. We just want to increase their scale of which so that we are able to decrease the gap even more. Because we are talking about 2 billion people each year all over the world that require physical health care. We are talking about in the US 125 million Americans that suffer from a physical pain condition each year. And so even if we scale the reach of our PTs um, meaningfully, even with that, we, are not, we will not be able to close the gap between supply of care and demand for that type of care because there's such a harder order of magnitude of difference there. And also in terms of, honestly, if we wanted, we could now develop a platform that could be fully automated, but we deeply believe that human touch and the clinical human touch really has a very important role in terms of maximizing engagement, compliance, and efficiency and speed of recovery in patients. That's why we always believe from the start, and that's why we never compromise on the care of our, on the, on the quality and type of our team that is managing the patients, because we deeply believe that's of paramount importance for the successful recovery of a patient. And, and that's, not, that's one of the red lines that we do not cross um, as a company. 
Now, given your personal academic background, I'm curious how Sword Health incorporates research and data as it starts to monitor patients and how it incorporates and continuously improves its offerings based on collecting data from its patient population, whether it's to improve your own operations and or to add to the thought leadership around MSK solutions for the healthcare industry more broadly. So we, that's embedded in everything that we do. Uh, we, we deeply believe that you can only improve what you measure. And so that's why we use data, uh, our sensors and our digital therapist is always feed, feeding data to our doctors, a physical therapy for them to be able to much more efficiently manage the program of the patient. And with our PTs have uh, 10x, 20x more data than in a traditional PT clinic, right? Because everything that the patient is doing is being measured in a very detailed, granular way. And so that allows them to be much more efficient uh, doing the current management, but also the future, future management of the program of the patient. And of course, then uh, in terms of our clinical expertise, in terms of developing new clinical guidelines, that also allows us, uh, because we are having access to a set of data that no company, uh, no traditional provider ever was able to get. And with that, we are able to understand, okay, in that type of patient, and that type of low-back patient with that specific profile, with that age, with that job occupation, the clinical guidelines, the protocol that is that allows that patient to recover faster is this way, right? Because we are always matching the recovery of patients with their clinical program. And with that, we are able to understand for that specific type of patient, what works best is this clinical guideline, is this clinical protocol. And with that, it allows us for a much more precision type of uh, medicine, precision type of recovery. And that's, we are able to do that for the first time in the world because we have access to this data for the first time uh, where we are basically applying a clinical protocol and measuring on a daily basis how the patient is performing. And so that trove of data is very, very important, not only, again, for the PT, for the day-to-day management of the uh, evolution of the patient, but also for our clinical team to develop new clinical guidelines and for our AI technology to apply the, the new clinical guidelines in a precise way so that we understand that that program is the one that recovered that patient more efficiently. And we don't get what we honestly get in healthcare uh, um, these days, which is one size fits all when it comes to clinical guidelines. And when you talk about these improved efficacy measures, what are the benchmarks or metrics that SWORD is comparing treatments for SWORD patients with traditional therapy patients? Is it a cost reduction and or a reduced treatment time? What are some of the metrics that you're looking at when you're measuring how effective SWORD is? So at the member level, uh, the most important one is pain reduction because that's the focus, right? It's like we are getting patients with, that have high levels of physical pain and the focus of the program, the output that, that they are seeking is a reduction in, in, in their time level. So at the member level, at the patient level, reduction of physical pain and improvement of functional of physical performance is the second one. So physical pain and physical uh, limitation. And so there are clinical guidelines to measure both, and that's where we are focused. At the client level, of course, the client, a self-assured employer, a health plan, also is deeply concerned about the physical pain 
and the physical limitations, but mostly about the physical pain of that population, because that's one of the biggest, if not the biggest healthcare problem, the most pervasive one that they have in their population, but at the same time, and rightfully so, they are also concerned with costs. And so we've been able to provide last year that uh, across all digital MSK conditions, SWORD is the one that saves most money to clients by allowing for a meaningful reduction in the, in the number of surgeries, a meaningful reduction in the number of other procedures. So, uh, and with that, that's actually very important for clients because MSK is usually their number one cost. And so because of that, because it's such a big number, when you are able to meaningfully improve that number in terms of dollar amount, that's, uh, that's an important dollar amount that they are saving. And that's why we always guarantee that SWORD to clients, we always guarantee that SWORD is never a cost, that they will always get an upside for deploying SWORD and we put our money at risk if we are not able to deliver the type of savings. And so we are never a cost. And that's why we've been going so fast across clients is because in terms of risk, it's really a no-brainer because they will always have a financial upside by deploying SWORD in their organization. So it sounds like SWORD in terms of where your reimbursement model lies is through healthcare plans. Is that how SWORD initially approached the market when you thought about reimbursement? And are you considering other evolutions of that, whether it's to employers, maybe even direct to consumer? Curious how you're thinking about reimbursement models. So our clients are self-insured employees and health plans, and we are also expanding towards other verticals. And it's really about, we see our typical client is the one that is paying for the healthcare costs of their members, of their population, and is really focused on decreasing the costs and at the same time increase the quality of care and the quality of clinical outcomes. And paradoxically, in traditional healthcare, either you spend more money and you get more higher clinical outcomes, or basically you reduce the spend and you also reduce the clinical outcomes. And so this paradoxical um, equation of increasing uh, quality outcomes and decreasing costs is then with technology, without technology, and so really the focus, our target clients are really the selfish employees and the health plans, every stakeholder that really has the focus and, and the purpose of decreasing costs, but at the same time increasing the quality of care, and we are able to deliver in both regards. You mentioned also putting some of your fees at risk, and yeah. This leads to a broader discussion around value-based reimbursement models. And if you even think about things such as capitated payments for some of your patients, what led you to arrive at this risk-based fee model? And are you thinking about other ways of leaning more into other types of value-based payment arrangements? I think digital health solutions, really, they need to talk the talk and walk the walk. And so... If we are here saying, hey, we really improve clinical outcomes, we really save money, then we should be able to put that to test and have fees at risk um, to, to demonstrate that. And so that's why we are very comfortable doing that. And, and the other thing that we are very comfortable doing is uh, when a member enrolls, we don't charge the full fee of that member if the member doesn't engage with the program. And that's also something that we feel it's very important because what we are seeing all traditionally, we see many different solutions charging the full fee of a member and then the member doesn't 
do anything or doesn't fully engage in the program. We believe that when we say that we are the most engaging solution, we should also put fees at risk and have a pricing that justifies that. And so it's really about always one thing that I think justifies and supports really our growth to that was always do the right thing by clients, always do the right thing by members. And sometimes that means having a lower gross margin because uh, if a member has uh, doesn't have a Wi-Fi connection at home, we send you an hotspot. Um, so we never negate care to a member. To, to a client, it also means that, yes, we are not going to charge you if the member enrolls and never does anything. And by the way, if you don't save money by the end of the year, we're going to pay you back the money that justifies the difference. And with that, you become... I would say, a credible solution towards the future of the healthcare world, not just a solution that's trying to monetize on a specific moment in time on this shift from virtual care. And we've always believed that we are building a company for the next 100 years. And that's why we always optimize towards what that company will look like in 100 years and not what this company will look like in two years. that and that changes really your mindset of how you think about things, right? That that changes the mindset about am I going to optimize those uh, maximizing the gross margin and revenue this year so that I can have a liquidity event next year, or am I really making sure that I'm doing the right things in a fundamental way with strong foundations so that this company is here in 50 years and in 75 years and in 100 years, and that's how we think through things, and so. That has been supporting our growth. Of course, from our personal standpoint, uh, it, it imposes challenges because we, we always need to deliver. But yeah, that's, we are proud to be that way. Now, SWORD was founded before the COVID-19 epidemic and the broader consumer adoption and familiarity with telemedicine. Did you see strong customer adoption of telemedicine and virtual care delivery because of the convenience and potential cost upside for some of your clients even before the pandemic? And how has the pandemic affected consumer uptake during and after COVID-19? So we are not able to really benchmark because we launched in January 2020. So we really launched in the midst of the pandemic on the pandemic. I believe that COVID accelerated something that would eventually happen. I think it accelerated. Uh, I also, but I also see that this is a a sustainable transition because what you see with, with stocks, with companies like Peloton, where you had this massive growth and then there's like a somewhat of a getting back to normal. Um, And because of that, the, the business is also getting back to the past in that regard. We are not seeing that, right? We, we, in 2020, we had a fast growth. We grew even faster in 2021, and we are growing even faster in 2022. So that's so that tells me that this is a sustainable, systemic transition. Um, because it's honestly, it's a no-brainer. You have better patient experience, better patient clinical outcomes. You reduce costs, so it, it becomes like a no-brainer. Um, that this is the new model because when you are able to deliver high levels of value to the client, to the stakeholder that is paying for the healthcare service, but at the same time, you're also delivering high levels of uh, uh, quality of care to the member and the patient, then it's like you, you, that creates a flywheel effect and, and massive adoption uh, because of it. So I think in a nutshell, I believe that COVID 
accelerated the transition. Um, I would believe that, I also believe that this transition will happen independently of COVID. Now, we talked a bit about how SWORD originated and your current offerings. I know there's been several exciting announcements, not only the women's health angle, but also onboarding a new chief medical officer very recently. Yeah. So would love to hear your thoughts on where you see SWORD's current priorities lie and where your near-term and mid-term growth priorities are. So the MSK space um, is pretty much a green field. And so we will continue as the fastest growing company in this space to be fully focused on expanding our footprint in this market. Um, so that's, uh, I would say, our main focus. But at the same time, we, are, we want to realize this vision and fulfill this vision of creating a physical health company that is able to branch out from MSK and really fix women's physical health, really fix um, physical limitations that derive from, an, from a stroke, from a neurological condition, uh, really fix active aging. Uh, so that, uh, that lady, 75 years old, that uh, she's afraid to go to dance with a partner because she's afraid of having a fall, and breaking her hip and being tied up to the to a chair the rest of her life. We want for that person to not be afraid of anything and be physically active. And we believe that we can also be impactful there. And so we really want to fulfill this vision of creating and becoming a, the physical health company because we believe that this is the most important in healthcare in terms of costs, in terms of incidence, in terms of prevalence. And we always focus, we always ask ourselves at SWORD how big of a human problem we are solving. And we deeply believe this is as big as it gets. And so that's the focus as we, without losing sight of the work that we still need to do in the MSK space, we also need to fulfill this long-term vision of creating the physical health company. Now, I know you initially started SWORD in Portugal, your native country. Yeah. Curious if you can walk us through the journey of what motivated you to actually start SWORD also in the United States. I'm thinking venture capital and ways of acceleration might have to do with it, but what led you to really start SWORD in the US and how would you compare kind of the broader healthcare ecosystems within these countries as you think about it from the perspective of an entrepreneur? So in terms of costs, in terms of incidence, in terms of prevalence, the US has the biggest problem with MSK conditions than any other country. And so when we finished the development of the technology, we finished the development, uh, the development, development of the product, and we got the clinical validation that told us that this is really the new gold standard of care, then we decided, okay, now we are ready uh, to go to market. And then we decided, are we going to market here in Europe? where you have 20 different healthcare systems and each one, each one requires uh, individualized uh, go-to-market strategy, or are we going to go and be fully focused in the most important healthcare market in the world, in the, in the market that has the biggest problem in terms of incidence, which is the US market uh, with MSC conditions. So that's why we started in the US market, and that's why we flipped the company, we moved the company from Europe uh, from Portugal to the US, we've, we've become a US company uh, because we fully understood that 
this is the biggest problem to solve. It's here um, in the US. Uh, and then after we are successful here and we get to scale, then we also want to expand globally uh, and, and, and go full circle and solve this problem in Europe, solve this problem in South America, solve this problem in Asia. Uh, but first, we still have lots of work to do here in the US. What was the process of getting U.S. investors and the U.S. market acclimated with your startup? How did you find the challenges in convincing investors or the opportunities in building consumer adoption? So I think that comes from one of my favorite quotes, uh, which is a quote from Steve Martin um, that says that be so good that you cannot be ignored. And honestly, we had zero. We knew no one in Silicon Valley. Uh, we knew no one that could introduce us to someone in Silicon Valley, right? Not either first order, second order, third order. And so we were able to access Silicon Valley and we got uh, causal ventures to raise our Series A with a cold email. So I sent a cold email from Portugal saying, hey, this is work, this is what we do, and this is why we are special. And luckily, that person did not, uh, first, the email didn't went to spam um, because I only sent that email. I didn't like, I didn't went and, and, and basically sent like 50 different emails from for, to different, to 50 different VCs. It was just one person. And luckily, that email didn't go to spam. And luckily, that person took the time to read the email. And from that moment, it was four weeks to close and sign the term sheet. And from that moment on, we were in Silicon Valley. And from that moment on, in terms of fundraising, um, is, uh, well, we've been um, very proficient in that regard. We raised in 2020 our Series B, our Series C, our Series D. Uh, we went from a valuation of $100 million in January 2021 to a valuation of $2 billion in November 2021. But it started in, in, in 2019 with that cold email, uh, where it basically, this is why we are special. And that, so that's why I always come back to this amazing quote from Steve Martin, which is basically, be so good that you cannot be ignored. So if you are starting now, really don't focus too much on networking, don't focus too much on, focus on really building something that's special, that has value, that is unique. And with that in itself, the network, the network will come. Pivoting a bit now to a broader look at the MSK space in the U.S. healthcare market, this is a sector of the industry that has gained a lot of attention and momentum more recently as people become more attuned to sort of the cost burdens and the clinical gaps in care. How does SWORD compare to some of the other, whether it's incumbents or more specifically, some of the other startups that are also innovating in the space, like a Hinge Health or others like a Kaya Health that makes digital MSK devices, or even something like an Omada that's acquiring physical therapy virtual capabilities with the recent acquisition of Fizera. So I will focus on denoting why we are the fastest growing company. We are going faster than any other company in this space. And we have the biggest win rate. We win. 74 or 72% of all the deals where we compete against the incumbent in this space. Um, the same thing with the other companies. And, and the reason why is first, we are a clinical grade solution. So we don't compromise on the quality of care. That's why we only use doctors as a physical therapy. 
because again, uh, a patient with an MSK condition is a clinical patient with a clinical condition and that requires someone with deep clinical expertise in that problem. So for me, it's a little bit strange how a coach is able to talk with a patient with low back pain when the patient is complaining about low back pain. I don't know really how that conversation goes. Uh, and so that for us was always very strange from a delivery, uh, care delivery standpoint. So we never um, uh, we never uh, compromise on, on that. And we only use that as a physical therapy to manage the problem of the patients. Also, we are the most innovative company in this space. Um, we have 22 pending patents submitted and pending, I believe, 4x or 3x more patents than all the other, other companies in this space combined. So I think that really denotes how innovative we are. And also, we have a company that puts more fees at risk, either in terms of uh, guaranteeing, uh, making sure that clients are saving money, but also that clients are not paying uh, if the patient doesn't engage and doesn't use the program. And of course, we are able to be the company that, uh, that puts more fees at risk in, in so many different ways, because we deeply believe in our clinical efficiency. Um, we deeply believe in the levels of engagement that we have in the population. And we also deeply believe that then those things directly translate into cost savings. And so those three things uh, are really the things that have been driving our growth. And also we always focus, uh, and this is less tangible. Well, it's tangible in the way that we have a client satisfaction score of 9.7 out of 10. And we always focus on delighting clients. We always focus on delighting members. We always go the extra mile uh, because we believe that that's the most, honestly, the most peaceful way of doing business. And, and so that's why uh, all of those things really focus on technology, on the sophistication of our technology, always keep pushing the boundaries of what's possible. As an example, with Bloom uh, and women's physical health and pelvic pain, um, always making sure that we never compromise on the clinical quality of our care. Um, all of those things, the market recognizes that. Now, I'm curious what you think SWORD's biggest challenges are in the near term. After building so much traction, do you see any things that give you pause and reflect on how you can problem solve through some of these potential obstacles? So. I think it are the typical problems um, of scaling a hyper-growth company, making sure that you never compromise on care. Because, of course, as you scale at the speed that you are scaling, that creates pressure, and we need to develop machines that are able to handle that pressure without compromising the quality of care. That's one where we are fully focused on that. And the second one is how we are able to really expand the conditions that we treat, the populations that we treat, and fulfill our vision of creating the physical health company, while at the same time making sure that we keep expanding as successfully as we've been in the MSK space. So that's the second one. And those problems, both problems are very big problems. And so everyone is really focused on that. Now, digital health companies in total raised over $29 billion in funding last year. As somebody who started a digital health company before some of these recent injections of capital have gone into the digital health industry, how do you think about this 
huge growth? Is it sustainable? Are these high valuations good for the industry or are they a farce and this is somewhat of a bubble? If you look at the market that we are tackling, the healthcare market is the biggest industry in the US, is the biggest industry in the world. I think roughly we are talking about in the US, $4 trillion. And we are talking about an industry that is worth $4 trillion, where digitization and software still plays a very minimal uh, role in, 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 in terms of increasing the efficiency of that industry. So if, I'm a, if I am an investor and if I'm looking for greenfield, not only this is the most promising greenfield, but actually, it's also the biggest market, the biggest market in the US right now. So, if you combine both, and and if you believe, as we do, that we got to an inflection point in terms of, uh, of the digitization of healthcare, then this is the right moment in in terms of investing into this space. And and that's of course we are biased in our assessment. Uh, but we deeply believe that um, that in the next five, uh, in the next ten years, you're going to see many fifty billion dollar companies, many well, some one hundred billion dollar companies that are coming from the digital health space. Given how big the market we are tackling uh, is, and given that our growth uh, will not saturate anytime soon since this market is very, very big. As we wrap up the episode, I'd love to get your parting advice for our listeners, some of whom are entrepreneurs themselves who are interested in starting out in the digital health industry. If you have any advice based on your experiences as they think about building their careers. I'll say if you are starting in the digital health space, I think everything you do should be focused on doing the right thing. because. Honestly, from a human standpoint, it should be like that. But from an economic standpoint, and from the growth standpoint, that's what's going to drive your growth. Do the right thing. If needed, take things more slowly than what you wanted. And if needed, again, invest a little bit more to do the right thing. And the market will recognize you for that. And that's the story of sort. Um, and so... If you are, especially if you are in a digital health space, do the right thing and you're going to be successful.